Hi, I'm Tamara, the host of Without Regret, the podcast, where I hope you'll learn how to live your best life, overcome obstacles, and become successful, whatever that means to you. Learn through my example, as well as my guests, who've all had to overcome adversity and learn to keep on moving forward and upward. Welcome to Without Regret, the podcast episode number five. Today I'm going to be talking to a lovely woman named Brittany, whom I also met through TikTok um, and then through Instagram as well. So I got on TikTok to advertise the podcast, but I do post a lot about having weight loss surgery and my journey along the way. So I've met a lot of other women and men who have had weight loss surgery and also post about it and get support and give support through TikTok. It's been pretty amazing and unexpected. I did not expect that out of TikTok at all, but it's been pretty awesome. I've met a lot of really awesome people. So Brittany posted on Instagram not too long ago that she was ready to face and share her story of what happened to her in her childhood and and what caused her to overeat and become addicted to food. I'm putting words in her mouth. She never says she's addicted to food, but it sounds like a food addiction to me. So I would like to give a warm welcome to Brittany. Hi, Brittany. Thanks for joining. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So Brittany, I, um, you have recently also had weight loss surgery and are on a weight loss journey like I am. And I saw on Instagram that you had posted that you were ready to face and talk about your um, issues and the things that have happened in your life that have brought you to this point and gotten you, um, you know, you're just ready to talk about it and, and, and um, share your story. So can you tell me a little bit about your story? Sure. It started um, when I was younger. Uh, At five, I was put into foster care with my two little brothers. And by the age of nine, I was adopted with them and um, together. But before that, between five and nine, I was uh, mentally abused, physically abused, um, emotionally abused, everything. And uh, um, it was very hard. But when I did get adopted, um, nothing changed. My brothers have um, ADHD and anger management issues. So all of the attention got put on them. And, you know, I was the older one, so I knew better, or that's what they assumed. And um, the physical and the mental and emotional stuff, it didn't end. It kept going, um, and so it just got worse for me, and I looked towards food for that, and um, I was made fun of because I was the tallest person in the family, and I was bigger than their three older daughters and the mother who adopted us because they're very, very petite, and because of that, food became... um, a good friend, and it also became an enemy. And at the age of 17, I was kidnapped by a drug dealer. And the cop that found me had told me that the girl he had before me was never found. And so I was 17 at the time. And so when I was put back into the home, Um, they wanted nothing to do with me. They blamed it all on me. I never got any kind of closure with any of that. I have no idea what happened to the man. Um, and so they kicked me out of the house. They sent me to Kansas to live with, um, not my biological father, but my brother's biological father who raised me because mine wanted nothing to do with me. And he was an alcoholic. 
he was um, not a good guy. And so that's when I met my husband, and he saved me from that situation because I witnessed some very terrible things living with him. And we moved in together. We got married, had a baby. And after having my daughter, that's when I gained all the weight. I went into a very bad depression, got anxiety, because I had no family around me except him, um, no friends. I became socially awkward. Um, yeah, everything just hit me after I had her, and the weight just came, and it never went away. No matter how hard I tried, I, I did Weight Watchers, um, everything. I did everything. I did the keto diet, and nothing, it wouldn't, nothing, it stayed so that's how the weight came on and then I looked into getting the surgery uh, when she was about five I want to say and nobody supported me in it I had no help no support um, so I didn't get it because I didn't want to go through it alone um, and then after having my son I looked more into it and eventually I ended up getting the support so with the support I was like okay I'll do it I did it and then here we are almost two months post-op yes I'm 55 pounds down it does and it looks great too when I look in the mirror so <laughs> yeah. I know it's awesome so you and your husband are still together right yes um almost 10 years now nice awesome so um can, can we talk a little bit about more about this kidnapping when you were 17? Do you mind tell, talking more about that? Um, I don't, but if I start to cry, just okay. um, don't mind that. Okay, we can stop if you start to cry. Um, okay. So how did you know this person? I, um, I didn't. It was, um, it was around summertime. I went with a friend to one of her boyfriend's houses and they had friends there and um I ended up giving one of them my number and for the summer we would always go to Traverse City which is um, the upper peninsula in Michigan and we stayed there for the entire summer so um uh this person ended up texting me and I thought it was the person I had given my number to and we talked all summer, and he never once gave me his name. He gave me the name of the person who I gave the number to. So I thought it was that person that I already met. Um, it turns out that's not the case. Uh, when we got back down um, to the Detroit area where we stayed, I ended up meeting him. Um, he said he had came out to my car. He said that he was a friend of the guy that I have been talking to. And he, um, it just gave me a, a weird, weird vibe. And so I tried to call the guy. Well, then his phone rang and he was sitting right next to me. And so he somehow manipulated me into keep talking to him. And at the time I was 17 and I was going through stuff at home, and I was just a young, vulnerable teenager, and he was 31, or so that's what the cop had told me anyway, and I didn't know that at the time. I did not know how old he was. I thought he was closer to my age, and um, he just ended up taking complete advantage of me and my mind and manipulated everything and so we kept talking and he had came over one morning and my adoptive mom caught him well instead of uh leaving he walked down the street because she wanted him gone so he was walking and he had called my phone and I answered it because I was scared and he was like, well, you better come with me, bitch, or I'm going to come back and I'm going to kill your entire family. Oh my God. And um, that's what I did. I walked out the door and I went with him and we walked from my house all the way to like the middle of Detroit. And it, it was a couple hours worth of a walk. And uh, 
I can't, I honestly can't remember how long I was with him. It felt like months, but I can't give you an exact day. Um, he was selling drugs. Uh, he took me with him everywhere he went. I was never left alone. Um, at one point we were driving and we saw a prostitute and he looked at me and he was like, I bet you'd be good at that. And, um, at that point I was getting terrified and scared. Um, and then we were driving around because he was looking at houses to rob. Thankfully the car had broken down right in a place where I knew I was where I used to do Kung Fu with my brother. And so I walked over there and, um, and then I walked back to him and all of a sudden we were surrounded by cops everywhere. He had, um, some cocaine on him, told me to stick it in a very private place. And I did, I listened to him because I was terrified of him. Anything he asked, I probably would have done. Um, oh, I'm shaking. That was, <laughs> that day was a very rough day for me. Um, the cops ended up taking him in a car and putting me in a different car. I went to the police station. As soon as I got there, I asked to go to the bathroom and I ended up flushing it down the toilet because I was scared of what was going to happen if I got caught with it. Um, at that time, the cop took me into the room and told me his age, told me his name, his real name, and told me about the girl he had before me who they still haven't found. After that, I never talked about the situation, never talked about the guy, don't know what happened to him. I still feel like, uh, I haven't gotten closure with it because I don't know what happened to him. Like, is he in jail or is he dead? Like sometimes I feel as if he can still find me if he wanted to. So, um, and I haven't really talked to anybody else about it. Um, I brought it up with my adoptive dad and told him how he made me feel kicking me out of the house and making me feel like it was my fault. I have not opened up to my mom about it yet um, because I just feel like she wouldn't understand. Are, like, are, are your adoptive parents divorced or are they still together? They, they are not divorced. They are split up because my dad won't give her a divorce. But I mean, you could use the word divorce because I don't think they're ever getting back together. Um, but, uh, yeah, that whole situation was very difficult. And, um, after that, they had me stay at a friend's house because they didn't want me at the house. And then, um, within a week I was shipped to Kansas and, uh, um, he somehow got my number, started texting and calling me again. Um, I ended up getting a different phone and, uh, never heard from him again after that. And then, um, living with my brother's biological dad was difficult and, uh, I still wasn't healed from the whole situation. He was, um, an alcoholic. Um, a druggie, um, too. So moving from the kidnapper situation into that situation just wasn't good for me either. And, um, yeah, there was no time in between to heal. Right. Were you and missing? Did your adoptive parents report you missing? Um, to the, I mean, to an extent they did. They didn't put flowers out for me and, um, say anything to the news people, uh, but they, so they treated you more like a runaway. Yep. They did. And it was my fault. It was, it was completely my fault or so that's how they make me feel. Um, as I'm older now and I look back at the situation, it's, I was a vulnerable kid, um, who was taken advantage of 
And that's how I look at it. I look at as he kidnapped me, forced me to do stuff that I shouldn't have done. And, um, yeah, because there was other situations before this that, you know, happened, like they have a family friend and he, they have a son. I'm not going to say his name, but he was older than me. And in that Traverse City house, he decided to get on top of me. And at the time, I was talking to his sister. So I was laying on the couch on my belly. And his sister was sitting in a chair. And we were just talking. And he decided to sit on my back. Well, I asked him repeatedly to get off. His sister asked him to get off. He would not listen. So I told her to go upstairs and get our moms. They were outside on the patio. And they took forever to come back downstairs, it felt like. And he ended up dragging me from the couch to the bathroom and forcing me to touch him. And after I told my mom that, they ended up going home. And like a week later, I want to say I got a, a letter in the mail in Japanese or Chinese. It was one of them. I couldn't even read the letter. And... Uh, Nothing ever happened. Who they the they still the the guy the boy. So he was Chinese. No, he wasn't. Oh. He he took Chinese in school, I guess, or Japanese, and that's what he wrote the letter in. But nothing ever happened to him. Um, he wasn't punished in any kind of way. They still talk to the family today. Wow. Uh, so that kind of upsets me, and um, that's where the trauma as a kid comes in because. You know, if something were to happen like that to my kid, yeah, no, you, you know, I would cut all ties with the entire family. I don't care. Right. Um, so the fact that I have these parents who are supposed to be parents and the way that they parent isn't good, um, it was hard as a kid for me because yeah. I was the depressed kid or the kid with the attitude or the runaway or whatever. Like nobody knew how I felt mm -hmm. or how it made me feel. So when that guy did show up, you know, he made it seem like he cared, mm -hmm. but he didn't. Right. It was total manipulation with him. And, um, and to them, it was just looking for that love, like that you were mm -hmm. lacking. And since, I mean, since you were, yeah, pretty much, it sounds like. Yep. And it was. It's very difficult. Some some days, I still feel, uh, like I don't have that love, or that I don't know how to give it. Even even married and with kids, and that's because I do need a therapist. I, I need someone to help heal mm -hmm. because some days I'm like, I don't know how to be a mom because I didn't have one to teach me how to be a mom. Well, you know what not to do, and that's half the problem. Right. <laughs> yep. That's true. like their parents or the complete opposite of their parents yes but i mean i don't know who to be like so i'm just going off instincts i don't know yeah yep so, and i don't ever want my kids to feel like they aren't loved i want them to know what love is and so far i mean i was adopted when i was nine and my daughter is going to be nine and so the fact that she hasn't gone through anything that I went through from the age five to nine, mm -hmm. I already feel like I'm on the right path because <laughs> she is, she hasn't gone through any of that. I'm sure you are. And just, you know, what you said earlier too, about if this were happening to my child, like I would cut ties mm -hmm. with that family. Like you're, you definitely have the, you know, you're the right, uh, you're on the right track for sure. Yeah. So at what point did you, um, what made you decide that 
you were ready to make a change <clears throat> and now is the time. What was that um, moment for you? Um, my husband, a year ago, uh, we had a discussion and he said, because I have anger management issues too, and um, my depression is very bad, and I get very loud because as a kid, my dad would yell a lot. So when I did something wrong, I was getting yelled at, I was getting socks thrown at me, I was getting locked outside the house because they didn't want me in there until I knew how to behave. Um, my husband noticed that, you know, I was angry and I would yell and yell until, you know, everybody would listen. And, um, he's, he sat down with me and he said, Brittany, you have to go get help or we can't do this anymore. Meaning he would want to leave. And so that's what I did because I didn't want a broken family because I came from a broken family. Uh, so I got the help I needed, and I found out on May 11th of last year that I was bipolar. And so I got on my meds, and right away, within like a week, he noticed a difference. Like, he was so happy, and he was hugging me, and he was just like, I can tell that you are so different and so happy, and... And I was like, I can't even notice it, but I'm glad that you do. So, yeah. So I've been taking that medicine uh, close to a year now. Uh, eight days before surgery, they tell you to stop all meds. And so that's what I did. I have not been back on that medication yet. But um, yesterday I was depressed and sad. And so I can feel it creeping back in. So I will be starting it again sometime very soon. Um, but yeah, that's what made me realize that it was time for a change. And once I got on the medicine and my mind started to work how it should be working, I um, wanted to do the weight loss surgery. And so I talked to my family about it. I talked to my husband about it. And everybody was on board and supported me. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. And so I've been on a healing path this whole year. And it just feels good. That's awesome. I'm so happy to hear Yeah. That. Thank you. You're welcome. So tell me um, about your surgery and, like, leading up to it and the surgery itself. And what was your, what was your experience? Because I know everybody... Who has this surgery? It's different. Even if even if you have the same doctor, the same hospital, it's different. Yeah. So, how, what what's your experience been? Um. So far, so good. I went. I scheduled an appointment. Talked to the doctor. Met him. And that conversation was literally five minutes. We said hi. I had no questions because I Google everything and YouTube everything. So. I had no questions for him. Um, he asked me which one I was looking to get. I told him the sleeve. He was like, that's great. You know, I do a thousand of them a year, so let's do it. Um, he told me I was a great candidate. We signed. Um, I had my caseworker come in after he left because that was literally the conversation I had with him. That was it. <laughs> the caseworker came in. I told her I wanted um, the soonest date they had. Like, I just wanted to get it done. And she said June 4th. And I was like, that's like really soon. <laughs> <laughs> what, date, what, date was, uh, what date was the consultation? Oh, shoot. Um, I'm not sure. I know I started my liquid diet the 28th. Of May? Yes. So it was around May. Okay. It was in May. Okay. Okay. Um, so I started my liquid. Yes, I was. I said I wanted it quick, but I didn't think it would be that quick. Did so then I started freaking out. Did you self-pay? I did. Okay. I had to get yes, insurance, I, but my sister self-paid, so hers was much quicker. Yeah. yeah. And I was um, during COVID, and they weren't um, they weren't scheduling surgeries yet, so I had to wait for that too. Yeah. yeah. But um, after we made the date or whatever, she gave me a binder. Um, the soap that you use, you know, two days before or whatever. 
and I just went home. I read everything in the binder. Uh, I had to meet with a dietitian, a therapist lady, and um, and I had to take like a online seminar class or training class or something like that. But it pretty much, yeah, it just went over everything that was in the binder, really. But um, those are the three things I had to do. And then I started my liquid diet, and that lasted for two weeks. Um, my surgery. You, you, you did protein, right? I did. I did protein drinks. They say you can have protein drinks, um, uh, broth, beef broth, chicken broth, bone broth, popsicles, sugar-free popsicles, and sugar-free Jello. Gotcha. I did not have the popsicles. I did not eat the jello. I did not like any of the broths. I strictly stuck to protein drinks only for two weeks. Nothing else. Um, the dietitian did tell me if I were to cheat um, to have egg whites or a chicken breast. I did have um, a half a chicken breast and some pickles. <laughs> <laughs> they were just sitting in the fridge and they just looked so good. So I had some pickles. Um, but then the surgery was June 4th. Early in the morning, I went in. They uh, gave me a pee test to make sure I wasn't pregnant, um, which I already knew I wasn't because I didn't have any, you know, periods. But um, I was sitting in uh, the room for maybe 30 minutes, close to an hour. They wheeled me back. Um, I saw the entire room. I told them I wanted pictures and everything. And they were like, okay, I'm down for that. So I, I literally felt like I went in and I came out like super quick. They said it's only 30 minutes, but I woke up in a room and I was like, I'm alive. <laughs> like I was like so shocked <laughs> that I was alive. But And then I ended up falling back asleep and I don't remember anything after that until I woke up again in the in the recovery room yeah. or back into the normal room. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it went very quick. I had a, a drain in. I know some people have the drain. Some people don't have the drain. I had a drain in. I felt normal. I drank my water. Um, what was it, I was sore. To let you leave the hospital? I had to walk and I had to pee. You didn't have to consume a certain amount of water? I don't remember because, I mean, I was already, I was drinking the water just fine, so I don't remember them telling me that that was a requirement. They did um, ask me if I wanted a Popsicle. I ended up eating half of it. Uh, did they give you the water in, like, one-ounce cups, little tiny cups, or did you? Yes. Okay. Yep. And then um, the next day, I was only there for one one day and the next morning they took the drain out that was the worst part of the entire thing um it was on my left side and um when i went pee it literally felt like how it did when i had my son because he was a c-section so i've gone through that pain before the walking i've gone through that pain before with him so i kind of knew already how it would be I was like, nothing can be worse than the labor I went through with him because he was nine pounds and seven ounces. His head ended up getting stuck. The epidural wore off. And by that time, it was emergency C-section. And um, I felt everything during that process. And so I was like, nothing can be worse than that. Um but yeah, after they took that out and I walked and I went pee, I was able to go home. I think around 11, I went home the next day. And then I was in a recliner for a whole month because I could not get in my bed. I could not um, lay back and then sit up because it just felt like it was stretching. I felt more like I got a ribbed move removed than a stomach. Like, it just, it was very painful, like, in this area. Um, and they said that's normal due to hormones or whatever, but 
my one month post-op, I broke my stall. I was able to lay in bed again. Um, something else happened that day, but I can't remember. <laughs> something else happened that day, but I can't remember it. But I broke my stall that day. I was able to be in bed again that day. And the other thing will come to me probably when we're done talking. So, <laughs> well, at least I'm recording. <laughs> yeah. So sorry about that. That's okay. <laughs> so your doctor didn't, you didn't have pain pumps. Not. At I had no. I had a, um. What is it called? The just the pain. Like oxycodone. Yeah. yeah. That's what they, they gave me was oxycodone. And then I went um, home with some of that, and maybe the first three days I took it, but then after that, I stopped taking it because the fourth day, it got better for me, and I ended up walking. I live in an apartment, so it's very, you know, small. It's not big. Um, I ended up getting up and walking the entire apartment, like from door to door to kitchen to my bedroom. And that night, it was terrible. Like, they say walking is good for you because it helps heal you or whatever. But there is such a thing as overdoing it. And the pain can be ten times worse than it was before you started walking. So, I had to take it easy. Gotcha. Yep. So, um, what... There was something you said before that I want to make sure we get in here. <laughs> I'm trying to think of how to ask the question. So what, um, why now did you want to get your story out and talk about it? What was that um, motivation to get to talk about it now? Because as I see more people on Instagram, I realize that some people can relate to what I've gone through and um, I just want them to know that they aren't alone. Um, I've got a lot of stuff that a lot of people can relate to and I just want my story out there because yeah, I just, I want them to know that they're not alone. I'm here for them if they ever want to talk to somebody about it because I know how hard it is to open up about it. It took me a long time. I know that much. So healing is just a long process and I want people to know that it's possible what is because for, Go ahead. for a long time before I was diagnosed um, with bipolar, I thought about suicide almost every single day. Um, it was something I was wanting to do since I was a kid. Um, I know before I talked to you about it, you weren't recording. I said some, I said some stuff, um, uh, that had to do with my weight loss. Uh, like, what was it? When I was younger, I, uh, I came home from school and I went to the kitchen and I took a knife. And I wanted to put it right through my stomach. And my brother walked in and because of him, I didn't do it. And I wanted to do that because being in a home where you are made fun of because of your size or because of what you look like is hard as a kid. And um, I ended up giving my mom all the knives and all that kind of sharp objects I had in my room or anywhere. And she just said, okay, she didn't ask me any questions or anything. And, um, you know, I know that I'm not the only child that has probably gone through something like that. Um, and so I just want people to know that you might feel like giving up sometimes, but in the long run, um, you'll be able to get through it and over it or under it and whatever and make it to the other side so where you won't have to feel like that all the time yeah. because once once I got help and I talked to that therapist who um you know told me I was bipolar uh 
a lot of things like popped into place and um i realized it was all my mind like i wasn't mentally there and so now i am and um some people are scared to ask for help i know i was until my husband said something so i mean there's always that one step you're going to take in life where it pushes you to figure some stuff out I did. Yep. Um, I had a good relationship with food and I had a bad relationship with food because of the household that I was in. Um, I hated eating in front of my family because of how they made me feel. Uh, to this day, I still do. I hate family gatherings because, you know, I'm the biggest one. And so feeling that way and having to eat in front of everybody it just it bothers me so so you, you have guilt around it mm -hmm. at all everybody has to eat yeah eating is normal but yeah as a kid i would starve myself sometimes um sometimes the only day the only time i would eat is at school or I would take whatever was in the kitchen when nobody was looking and put it in my room and eat in my room. So. Yeah. A lot of guilt, it sounds like, around eating. Yeah. yeah. It's a shame. It's unfortunate. <clears throat> but I'm so glad that you have <clears throat> taken the steps, all the steps, a lot of steps in the last year is your year of healing. Yes. That you've taken yes. steps to get to talk to a therapist to get on the medication. I'm so glad that did work for you right off the bat because a lot of people struggle with trying to find the right the right medication, right do dosage, and stuff like that. So, and I'm encouraged to hear that you want that you are going to you know look at getting back on it because of your day yesterday. Um, yeah. And good for you for jumping right back on it. Ten days and. So, yeah. I want to keep in touch with you and find out how you're doing. Yes, oh, thank you. And Mama, can you just see the popsicle? <laughs> we can pause. Can you hear them? Yeah. If you want to talk to your kids, hi. <laughs> or we can just say hi on there. Hello. You want to say hi too? <laughs> no? Okay. Okay, go back to your room. You don't need to hear. Go. Sorry, you're supposed to be in your room. Done, but we had <laughs> they've been patiently waiting they go they go to the end of the couch and they just stare at me and i'm like shoo fly i did want to ask you though what is your um instagram i mean um I don't know. I really, I haven't thought about it. Um, once we're done with this, I, if I can, I want to find a way to post it on there. Um, I did tell everybody, because I did make that post. That's how you reached out to me. Um, I do want everybody to know at some point the story. And, um, and once they hear it, hopefully that they see that they're not alone and I can get messages um, and just be able to talk to people if they feel the need to talk. Okay. I'm not here to push anybody in a direction. Um, I'm just here to tell my story and if they can relate in some kind of way and I can at least help one person, you know, that's all I care about. But um, it's just that I'm on a track to get healthier and if they are ready to take that step then i'm here to be a friend for them okay so well yeah let me know later we can always add your we can add it to show notes we can um you know i can always add something to the end of the podcast if it hasn't been published yet and put it out there when you're ready because that's a lot okay that's a lot i mean yeah one, i don't know that there's going to be ten thousand people listening to the podcast that'd be awesome but <laughs> there's right be like 
20. Yep. <laughs> so, um, I mean, 20 is better than none. So, than none. one is better than none. So, I mean, that's, I feel like that's how I look at it. Are the people that I've been talking to and doing like interviews with, but <laughs> and then they'll tell their friends and family, right? And then they'll, yeah. and they'll listen, and or maybe not because some of the things we talk about are sensitive. You know, so maybe yes, I I know I plan. I don't plan on telling very many family members about this, but yeah. maybe the ones day. that I do, I'm sure they'll listen. One day, maybe you'll be ready for that. But yeah, it's hard. I get that because there's, you know, I, I tell I'm my the first episode will be me telling my story and um, all the things that I went through from the time I was like six to now, and and I get through that in an hour somehow um but i there are some things i i won't elaborate too much on because you know especially with my ex-husband and you know that type of stuff which hey it's not even in this one because that was the part when we did record but uh yeah i mean my dad is still alive i don't have a great relationship with him i don't think he even knows what a podcast is but um, or would know how to listen to one anyway, but you know, I just don't want to, I'm not trying to tear anybody down, you know, that's, that's right. not my goal. I mean, there are things that people have, that have influenced my life in some kind of way, but in a negative way, but I don't yeah. really want to call them out. So I don't know. It's tough. Yeah. It's tough. I get that. And, 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 anonymity is always an option too so you know if i probably won't get this one ready to publish for a few weeks so if um you decide that you want to be anonymous i can always blur you out or just you know cut off that part of the recording not say your name like you know i can do any of that stuff distort your voice if you want me to oh yeah i don't know how but i'm sure I'm no, I think it'll be okay. okay. Oh, man, man, man. Letting you know, because, you know, yeah, just giving out though your, 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 uh, oh, name on Instagram and inviting people to talk oh, to is scary. Yeah. yeah. That's scary. I, I've, I have concerns. Oh, I joined some Facebook groups for depression and anxiety and like not because I, Mom, can go to the but because, Looking for bad, but you know, I really do care. But I'm like, these, these are the type of people that I want to reach with my podcast, right? So, right, and I haven't advertised it on there because I love that's not allowed. Um, but you know, I do read some of hey, mama, say, and I want to read the four. This person messaging me all the time saying, hey, I'm, not cool. I'm not trained, right. I'm not a professional by any means. I'm yeah. somebody who's been through some crap in life, not the, not the same kind of crap you've been through. I've been through my own different kind of crap, but you know, a lot of it brought on by myself. <laughs> so, and bad choices that I made when I was younger, but um, you know, I, I, uh, come at it like you do like somebody can might might be able to relate and know that they're not alone and know that they can get through it that strong mind and that strong will to get through it and and want to make the changes that that have to be made um, yeah those changes don't have to be made overnight it's not like you have to completely change your life overnight just take baby steps. Just take little things. Set little goals for yourself. Achieve those little goals. Build up your confidence, and and you'll and you'll get there. Um, yeah. But yeah, so I'm afraid, sometimes I'm nervous that some of you look to me for that type of therapy, and that I, 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 I've never really dealt with Of course, I've had times when you're just like, you know. Suicide, I, I've attempted suicide. I have um, had suicidal thoughts, but nothing ever that lasted a really long time. I was always able to pull myself out of it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, I, I have a purple one. I would like for people 
people to be on that have different struggles than what I had, you know? Yeah. I can talk about growing up poor. I can talk about growing up with a crappy father. You know, I can talk about, you know, um, making bad choices when you're young, getting arrested, having a record. Hey, buddy. I can talk Leave about my mom but I can't talk about depression and anxiety and being kidnapped or being, you know, physically abused. You know, because thankfully, yeah. than my first husband, um, which was very short lived. Um, you know, he was physically abusive, but you know, um, a lot of stuff I haven't dealt with, thankfully. So I appreciate you yeah. sharing your story. And then the, there's one question that I want to ask everybody that comes on, and that is, where does your strength come from? The strength that you have now, where does it come from? My kids. Yeah. Um, if it wasn't for them, I don't think I would be here. So, yeah. I, yeah, because <laughs> me, if I, I didn't want to have kids, and all 100% of my motivation and strength comes from my daughter and wanting to give her a better life and realizing that yes. the path I was going down when she was born was just not something that I not the life I wanted to give her. So I, I yeah. totally feel you. That's my, my motivation as well. So. Yeah. All right. Well, thanks again. I really appreciate it. Any last Thank you. thing you want to say before we? No, not that I can think of. Okay. Well, keep in touch with me. And I would love to do uh, maybe a follow-up one day, and I'll, I'll actually hit record in the beginning. But I think yeah. this wasn't so bad. It wasn't too bad. One, I like I like to not talk too much to my guests before we record because I really like it to be raw and authentic and, you know, natural. Um, yeah. So I apologize to any listeners if we weren't natural. I think we did a good job. I think we, I think we did too. <laughs> um, but there were some things that came up in the re-record or the redo that you yes. talk about in the beginning. And I feel like, um, so that probably is what made it feel more natural is because there, you know, I'm sure there were things you were thinking about later on. You're like, Oh, I didn't mention that. I didn't mention that, that you were able to mention again when we redid it. Yeah. So maybe not such a bad thing, but, um, but I would love to follow up with you, um, you know, in a few months and see where you're at and, and, um, yeah. See if you have any more words of wisdom for anybody. Yeah. If you're ready to share that Instagram handle. <laughs> uh, what would okay. be your advice, though, for somebody who is struggling? What would you tell them to do? Like, for step one, what would you tell them to do? Um, don't be afraid to reach out to somebody. Um, it doesn't have to be a family member or a friend. It can be a complete stranger. But as long as it's somebody that you're comfortable with, uh, the first step is reaching out and just knowing that um, you need help and you can get help and you're not alone. So that would be my first thing is um, don't be afraid. And I'm just going to add, you know, if you're having thoughts of suicide, you know, the suicide prevention helpline is yep. an option and I'll find that information and post it on here at the end to when I publish it just to say that you know yeah don't please ask for help because yeah that's not that's never the right that's never the right answer somebody out there cares and loves you and and you can get through it yeah, yeah. plus you'd be hurting them a lot more than exactly. you yourself so I think you're you're like doing people a favor by removing yourself from their life but no no not at all absolutely not I mean, how yeah, it took me a long time to get that. Yeah. It took me a long time, but. Right. Well, my, like like you said, my daughter, though, is always the thing that's always pulled me back to. Yeah. Pulled me back to uh, reality or just like, what would she do without me? Like, yeah. But, you know, there had, like, who would talk to mine, like, about boys and periods and like, I want to be the, the mom who does that for her, not somebody else, so. Yeah. Money and doesn't really care, you know, like you ended up. So, 
Exactly. Yeah, so people are not better off without you ever. Um, ever. Even if you think they are. <laughs> They're not. Yeah. So, yeah, National Suicide Prevention Helpline. I'll put that number up. Um, all right. Thank you so much. And thank your children thank you. for me. <laughs> I love having you pop into the room. It's actually kind of cool. So. All right. Yeah. Have a lovely rest of the afternoon. Thank you. You too. That's we'll so easy. So I do want to mention that if you or anyone you know is thinking about suicide, please reach out to the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 1-800-273-8255 or visit the Suicide Prevention Lifeline website, which is suicidepreventionlifeline.org or Suicide Prevention Resource Center at www.sprc.org. Org. I also want to apologize for the audio quality when you're hearing me speak. One thing I'm learning is that I, there are a lot of technical issues when recording a podcast. So um, this particular episode, we recorded the entire thing before I realized that it had stopped recording within the first 10 seconds. So we had to do the whole entire thing over again. And when that happened, somehow my microphone was not picking me up. It was picking me up through the computer speaker and I didn't realize it until I went to edit the audio. So I did my best to increase the volume, um, but it also increased her volume. So, you know, just apologize for that, that audio. I'm gonna get better at this guys, I swear. I just appreciate your patience with me and I hope you all have a wonderful evening or, or day or morning, whatever time it is you're listening to this. Thanks and we'll see you next week.